if I could say to my like young self, I'd be like, Rachel, I know you think you can do everything and on your own, but like you can't. And I think that's what Birchbox really taught me was like, because I left there Mm -hmm. and really like realized that I probably could have been even better at Birchbox and done even better and driven that business even further if I had just like asked for help in certain areas and like figured out how to do my job even better with people who had experience doing it. And so I think Birchbox really taught me like ask for help. And like, if you don't know something, it's okay. And like, say it and like, you'll just move past it. It's not a big deal. Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them aka a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors-in-chiefs, founders, and CEOs to under-the-radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion, how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with Rachel Liverman. Rachel is the co-founder and CEO of Globar, a new skincare concept disrupting the spa industry with no-fluff, 30-minute, customized, and solution-oriented treatments, all at $65. As a third-generation esthetician, Rachel struggled to find an effective, accessible, and trustworthy source for consistent facial treatments. That's the key, guys. Consistent treatments. Administered by expertly trained estheticians. She channeled her multi-generational knowledge and skincare into creating a solution, and she decided to work with the first-ever accredited aesthetic school in the country, which, funny enough, was founded by her grandmother and now owned by her mother, the Katherine Hines Institute of Aesthetics, to research consumer and esthetician challenges before officially launching Globart in June 2019. While her grandmother pioneered professional skincare, Rachel is now reinventing it by developing approachable facial treatments and an algorithm that completely eliminates consumer anxiety, overwhelming treatments, and the need for expensive add-ons, which to be completely honest, every time that I get a facial, I end up doing the add-on and it's this whole thing. Since the launch, Rachel and Globar have been featured in Glamour, Elle, New York Magazine's The Cut, and Birdie, among other amazing outlets. On today's episode, we talk about Rachel's career journey and how she worked up the ranks in the beauty industry for 10 years, working with brands like Birchbox, Beauty Blender, and Stila before taking the leap to start Globar. We talk about her first steps in building the company. She explains why she decided to go the co-founder route. And of course, we get into her beauty tips and spoiler alert, less is more guys. So with that, let's get into today's episode with Rachel Liverman. All right. So I am here with Rachel Liverman, the co-founder of Globar. Thank you so much for being on Active Ingredient. Of course. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be one of the first podcasts of 2020. So I'm very pumped. We're starting off the year right. Exactly. So I want to get into your background and just kick it off with that because I feel like you're unique in that you come from Three, three generations mm-hmm. of estheticians. Yes. And I feel like that's not common. And I, I just want to get into your background of how you were as a kid, your parents, and your grandmother and mom, and yeah. how you kind of got into the space. You have such a good memory. I feel oh. like and I feel like no one like really knows that story, so I'm very impressed. Um, So yeah, I mean, so what I was as a kid, that's such a good question and something we should probably ask people more mm-hmm. of. Um, as a kid, I was like super driven and super independent 
different. And I'm sure my parents, my parents always said I was like the happiest kid and like bubbly and I was kind of chubby. So I was like, you know, that like, like stereotypical, <laughs> like was, chubby, happy kid, um, always eating, always smiling. Um, and I think like just driven from the onset. And I do think like drive is something you're either born with or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree, but I told, I think it's something you can work on, but like the level of which it goes is very much embedded in who you are. Yeah. And so I was know? very active. Like my mom jokes that, um, she was the only parent that would beg her child to watch TV. You know how other parents are like, get away from the TV. She's totally. like, please, Rachel, sit still and like just sit and watch a freaking TV show. Um, but anyways, I was a kid. I grew up obviously with my mom who was mm-hmm. also an entrepreneur. So she had her own salons and um, worked with our family business. And my grandmother started the first accredited aesthetic school in the country, mm-hmm. um, which is so awesome because if you think about it nowadays, everyone's a girl boss, right? And totally. more power to us all. I freaking love the world we live in. Women are so powerful um, coming into themselves. But in the 70s, that's not how it was. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother was a divorced mom in the 70s. So like black Blasphemy, right? How old like, was she? you know what? I bet she was like thirty. That's I actually insane. don't know the answer. I would have to do the math, but I'm not good at short math, so we won't do that today. <laughs> no, on, I. This is the, why we're in recording. this industry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> but she was like in the '70s, like divorced and like needed to create a life for herself and her two young kids. And she was traveling to Europe a lot and would see that people there would take care of their skin. And she'd come back here and to the U.S. and she was like laying on her roof with baby oil. On, you know, and not washing her face. Too. Right. I mean, we With did like our reflectors. parents. Did. Yes, I know. And we're all regretting it now. I know. These fine lines are because of that. <laughs> um, and so she was like, why are we here not taking care of our skin? And so she opened the first aesthetic school in the country called Catherine Hines Institute of Aesthetics um, in the 70s, which That's was wild. Yeah. She was like an OG girl boss. And she really pioneered skincare here in the States. Then my mom Took it over while I was a young kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was super cool because, you know, going to work with your parents is cool anyways. But totally. going to work and having your mom the be boss. the boss yeah. and your grandma be like the founder is just really, really cool. Totally. Um, and so I grew up in our schools and our salons. And I think my mom waxed my legs when I was eight, um, you know, and like you know, I was wearing eye cream from like 10 on and always would joke with my mom and be like, I'm never going to get wrinkles, which – unfortunately happened. Honestly, like if you haven't had Botox, you have not gotten wrinkles yet. You look amazing. Thank you. Um, So it was super cool growing up in that. And um, I think watching them really made me like who I am today and gave me the um, – I saw firsthand that women can do it in particular, but also just people in general can have their own business. Right. And it's not easy for sure. I mean, my mom worked six days a week, if not seven. Um, But I saw that like you can do it. And I think you have to see things to believe them mm-hmm. in a way, whether you visualize it or actually see it firsthand. And so it just gave me this like confidence, I think, about myself um, that I could kind of do whatever I wanted to do in good ways. So, <laughs> I mean, that's – Obviously, like the best first row kind of experience into seeing it, and especially in an industry that you ended up being in. Mm-hmm. But at what age did you figure out that you actually wanted to be in the beauty industry? Because I, I feel like you were kind of born with an entrepreneurial itch, but yeah. did you know you wanted to do beauty? And h- how did you kind of like channel that? And what did you see for yourself? Yeah. So my first business actually was in third grade. I had my own <laughs> waxing company. I'm not even kidding. Stop. I like went on to, I mean, I didn't have any clients. I, like, I, I mean, it was a, it's kind of a joke, but I have the business cards. My mom still has them. I printed them. Them on like Word, you know, when you can like get a template of like yes. business cards. Um, so I think I just like have that always loved it. I've thing. been like a girly girl my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I mean, I'm like, I think my first Instagram description, and this is really embarrassing, was on unapologetically feminine. <laughs> 
I'm dead. <laughs> Which Why'd I you no change longer? it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe I should bring that back for 2020. Honestly. Um, but I just like have always been a girly girl. I love the beauty industry. It's so fun. It's um, And also I'm a people person. I mm-hmm. love connection. Like I was even thinking before coming here today, like what's my active ingredient? Mm-hmm. And like it's connection. I love people. I love connecting with people. If I'm not connected, I feel misaligned. And so I think just like the beauty industry is innately like – you're helping other people and totally. engaging and with also, them. And also, like, I feel like the beauty industry is something that, like, it's so easy for everyone that's having that conversation to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have acne or I have these scars or whatever. It just has everyone kind of be at this, like, same baseline yes. that makes that connection even deeper. Yeah, and it gets you talking. Which and- is funny because it's, like, seen as a superficial industry, but, like, if you get to the root of it when people are talking about it, they're coming from a place of vulnerability to try to, like, fix something or like attack something that's been bothering them. Yeah. And it's all community based. Exactly. I always tell the story. And when, when we were like fundraising for mm-hmm. Globar and, you know, fun, like pitching to like men in particular, they'd be like, why? Like, is this a market? And it's like, you have no idea. Get to get 10 women together for a book club to talk about a book. And if one of those 10 women mentions anything about beauty, they will never discuss the book. They will all be talking about what the best eye cream is, where they're getting their facials, what mascara they're loving. And by the time they're done, those 10 women have spent over $1,000 on Amazon or on Sephora. You know what I mean? Like it's such a connector beauty. And Mm -hmm. so I think I just like really loved that. And also just seeing like my mom and my grandmother like thrive and grow in that industry. It's it's hard to Did your mom love the beauty industry or did she like running like the actual business of it? I think it's both. I think like it's it also really makes it easy to get out of bed in the morning mm-hmm. when you are carrying on a family legacy and totally. when you've like seen the work firsthand. So for my mom, I think seeing my grandmother like struggle like as a single mom mm-hmm. in the 70s starting a business and then you know making it into what it is today, I think like, you know, there's a lot of like legacy that goes into mm-hmm. it and it makes you feel really proud going into work every day, but I think um I think she loves the beauty industry. Too. It's always changing. It's not boring. Totally. It's so based on innovation. Um it's almost hard to keep up sometimes. So. 100%. I yeah. feel a little bit lost in like the wild wild west. So I know. For sure. And everyone's like I have a new thing and I'm like, "Wait, I can't we just like are are, are we like past BB cream already? Like now there's totally. CC and D- I like, I can't even keep up with it. Well, at the end of the podcast, I want to get into, into yeah. your recommendations for the people that don't have access so to Glowbar. But I still want to kind of like get into your psyche of when you started your career. Yeah. Um, because I took a look at your, your kind of like past and your trajectory and you've definitely worked at big box beauty houses mm-hmm. and, and, I just I want to understand like when you went to college, did you go to college with the understanding that you wanted to work for yourself in the beauty industry? Did you always know that eventually that that's where it was going to lead you? Um, and what were your original steps to get there? Yeah, so I think I went to college like knowing I wanted to work for myself. Mm-hmm. I minored in entrepreneurial studies at Tulane, um, which was a super cool um, path that they had. Yeah, um, I think they actually don't have it anymore, just because I think like when you kind of realize like you can't really study how to be no, totally. an entrepreneur because like <laughs> this shit is crazy. 100%. You can't teach this. Um, but I knew I wanted to work for myself. But I also always, and I'm so grateful for this, knew that I needed to get firsthand experience at other companies before starting my own. I think I've Great always like, really known that I needed to learn before doing, mm-hmm. um, even if it was just hands-on because um, I'm not a great like learn by reading a book. I feel um, like we're the same person. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> That's why we've gotten along since the day we exactly. met. Um, but I knew I wanted my own thing, but I knew I wanted to like get firsthand experience. So actually I graduated from college, got a job immediately at TJX in Boston because like every good Jewish girl, I wanted to be a buyer in in fashion yeah. um, if it wasn't going to be beauty um, and learned a lot there. Like TJX is a huge um, 
public business. Mm-hmm. And so that was super cool to go through their training program. I worked there for a couple of years and then I joined Birchbox and that's what brought me to New York. And I knew I wanted to be at Birchbox because- How did you land that? And how was what was Birchbox at the time that you joined? Birchbox was 10 people. We were in a small office um, and an it was this statement. new like concept and it was really reinventing how people discovered beauty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is fucking brilliant. Wait, what year was this? 2011. Wow. Um, and I was like, these women are so smart. I have to work for them. I don't care if they even pay me. I'm like, just let me please come in every day. Um, how did you hear of them? I heard of them through a friend from high school. Yeah. Wow. Actually on Gchat. And he was Stop. like, you should, because I was you know, sitting at work and I was like, this is like for the birds. Like I am not built for this. Um, and he was like, have you heard of this company called um, Birchbox? And I was like, oh yeah, I have. He's like, I know someone there. Like if you want, like send me your cover letter and resume and like why you want to work there. And I always tell the story really quickly. Like I sent them an email. It was Molly Chen who I sent it to, who was one of the co-founders. And I said, this is why I love Birchbox. This is why you should love me. And this is what I can do for you. Like three paragraphs, literally. That is like the email that I want to get from right. anyone that I ever hire. Truly. Three things, like totally. which hits all the things that a future employer wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And it was like genuine. And all also like I think it was more genuine for me just because I was like I've been in beauty my whole life. Like I know beauty and I know how I've discovered beauty. Mm-hmm. And so let me like help you grow this business. Um, And I came to New York a week later, interviewed with them, sent them a um, a plant in a birch box with a note that said, I can't wait to grow with you. I know. I was I so thirsty. That's thirsty, um, but like so freaking cute. And I like, don't how know. How can you say no to that? <laughs> right. I think they were like, fine, Rachel, Liverman, whoever you are, <laughs> come and work for us. And I moved to New York three weeks later. Was and it I've hard? I mean, if they had 10 employees, was it hard to, for them to get employees? Like, why were they being so... I have no idea. I mean, I think like it. they were new, just okay. like me at, at Globar. Like, yeah. It's hard to find people because they're like, it's a risk because totally. they don't know if it's going to work or not. I like was like... Birchbox is going to be a fucking hit. Like, yeah. this is going to be amazing. Um, yeah. And I think that's, like, when you're small, like, my company is, like, your company mm-hmm. is, like, you just have to find those people that are, like, I believe in this. Totally. Um, and, and then it all works out. So I was with them from the early onset, stayed with them for four years, learned everything in beauty, got my feet wet here. I, like, it was the best experience in my life. Some of my best, closest friends are from Birchbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved on because I really wanted to learn how, like, a – um, like a, a non-startup functioned and operated. And so I went on to work for companies like Stila and Ico and then- In-house for them? Mm-hmm. And then most recently Beauty Blender, which was one of my favorite brands. Damn. Um, I love them. And I was um, running business development there for them for about three and a half years. And that was super cool because they were- you know, an established brand. They had been around for 15 years. It was a lot different than mm-hmm. Birchbox, but also very similar because it was in the same industry. Yeah. Um, I learned a ton there and then just decided that I really wanted to do my own thing. What were the biggest differences between um, Stila and Beauty Blender and Birchbox? And also, like, what were your biggest takeaways from all of your experiences before you started your company? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, it's a really good question. So I think – Birchbox and like the beauty blenders and Stila's of the mm-hmm. world, um, they were more like just innately different in that Birchbox is a um, 
like a multi-brand business, mm-hmm. right? So they send samples yeah. to every single month and then they have an e-commerce site. So it's almost like a retailer in mm-hmm. a way, whereas Beauty Blender is a brand. Mm-hmm. And so like every day you are like shouting from the rooftops why Beauty Blender is the best makeup sponge and makeup brand yeah. there is. And so it's a little bit more focused. And so I think that felt really different, but it was super cool to learn how to drive a business mm-hmm. that was just one brand versus like multi-brand. So I think that was like for me the biggest difference. Um, and in terms of like company culture? I would say, you know what's interesting? They were similar in that although Beauty Blender was around for 15 years, is the number Mm -hmm. one makeup sponge, they were a small team. Like even when I joined, we were like 25 people um, running this huge, incredible business. And so um, it felt similar. I think like startups that are like backed by venture capital just are a little Mm -hmm. bit different, like feeling anyways, just because like – There are just some sort – like expectations that you have to meet when that is how your business is like funded. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of trickles down throughout the culture a little bit, not a lot. And then Beauty Blender is self-funded by the founder who's incredible and so such a – talk about girl boss, like amazing woman. Um, And so like we had a lot of similarities but also like differences there. And what were your biggest learnings from those things that you applied to Globar? Yeah, I think Birchbox taught me to ask for help which is really – has probably been like the theme of the last five years for me. So when I first joined Birchbox, I was young. I was 25 years old. It was 2011. I like was like, I can do anything. You know when you, you like are young and you just like totally. have no fear? And almost like dumb in that respect yeah. because you're like, I know you th- – like I, if I could say to my like young self, I'd be like, Rachel, I know you think you can do everything and on your own, but like you can't. No. And I think that's why Birch – like what Birchbox really taught me was like because I left there mm-hmm. and really like realized that I probably could have been even better at Birchbox and done even better and driven that business even further if I had just like asked for help in certain areas and like figured out how to do my job even better with people who had experience doing it. And so I think Birchbox really taught me like ask for help and like if you don't know something, it's okay and like say it and like you'll just move past it. It's not a big deal. Um, So I really have brought that into my life and I brought that to Beauty Blender as well. I think I was like a much – even a better employee just like being open about what I knew versus what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. But I think like Beauty Blender really taught me like to be confident in myself and what I do know and to really like hold my own. I was running a team. I was like running a like big budget. Like I was like managing it and um, it really taught me to like be confident. So I think those two things combined really made me like poised and ready to start Globar. Whereas if I had started before Birchbox, oh my God, it would have died. Um, Like truly like if I think about it, I'm like, I don't think anyone would ever want to work for me. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't also think like I could have done it. The pool of connections that you have from, right. from those experiences, I'm sure, have helped you tenfold with Globar. I'm curious to know throughout this trajectory, at what point did you start thinking about the idea of Globar? And then mm-hmm. from there, like, how did you start executing and what were your first steps? Yeah. One day, in a Google draft, like a Gmail draft, I just was like, there has to be another option in skincare. Like the fact that I'm 30 with fine lines and come from a long legacy of people in skincare, like my grandmother basically like founded mm-hmm. skincare in the US and I don't get facials is a sin. Mm-hmm. Like I am like the cobbler's son with no shoes <laughs> and we got to fix this. And I was like, there has to be another option. Where were you? Sorry, where you at? I was at my apartment, but I was working no, no, for Beauty, Beauty Blender. Blender. Okay. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't know how detailed you want to get what no, I was I wearing. Just, I, I just want to know where you were working to yes. see like what headspace you I was in. at Beauty Blender okay. um, and loving it, but knew like I was, you know, 30, 31, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
I, it's probably time for me to think about doing my own thing. If I'm going to do it, I don't have a family yet. I don't have a lot of like responsibility besides myself and That's my important. career. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I just wrote down like kind of this concept for Globar. And what's funny is if you look back at the email and I posted on my Instagram, I think a year ago, it's almost exactly what it is today. So that 30-minute, $65, um, super effective treatment. Um, you don't wash your face, like all those things. And so um, – I wrote it down and I just started to like make baby steps towards it. So I was like, I'm going to do this or I'm going to at least like make steps and see if it if it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. And so I just started like – I trademarked it, which was amazing. Um, I created an LLC, which ended up getting merged with a corporation, but those are the things you learn. Um, I started talking to people about it, talking to my friends like, would you want this? Would you go to this? And I just started, I think, like not necessarily manifesting it because Mm -hmm. I was like really working towards it, but just like starting to do things. I met like designers. I met like a branding consultant, like just started like chipping away at things. Um, And then, I mean, here we are. So that was two years ago. Wow. So how long were you thinking about it before you decided to actually break away from Beauty Blender? Did you have yeah. time in between where you were just like hustling? I know you raised money. I want to yeah. get into that and understand like what your thought process was. And I always ask people that raise like, how do you know how much to raise? Yeah. You we know, can, we can definitely talk about that. I still don't know the answer. <laughs> Everyone that I've asked the question doesn't know the answer, but like I eventually you make it raise. Yeah. But it's like, how the hell do you know? And like, what are your steps? Yeah. You were working for employers before. So yeah. did you have someone that, someone that was helping you kind of figure out what those steps were to get that yep. capital? Yeah. So your first question, um, this was, so I had the idea in October mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, if I'm going to really do this, first of all, I need to get like a few things done. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to like really tell my boss at the time. Um, and just make sure they knew that, like, I had this idea and, like, I wasn't ready to leave today. I would hope they'd let me stay and, like, I'd work on it at nights and weekends. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, I, like, had to. I mean, I've known the Beauty Blender team for almost 10 years now. I respect them, like, so much. I love the brand. And, like, I was, like, they have to hear it from me, not from someone else that, like, I have this idea. Um, How do they take it? Beautifully. Oh my God. I mean, they're like the most supportive people ever. Like Rianne, Kathy, like my two bosses mm-hmm. at the time, like were just like so supportive. And they were like, as long as you're doing your job here, like do whatever. Do whatever you need to. Anyways, so I took the next six months, to your point, to save and to really like make sure that I could support myself mm-hmm. if I did leave Beauty Blender. And so I ended up leaving about six, seven, six months later and uh, supported myself for a year, um, which was not easy. And it hasn't been easy. Like that's like the biggest like hardship, I think, is just like seeing your savings go down, down, down and not have any deposits. <laughs> like I'm like, oh Were my God. consulting? Is- Were you doing anything mm-hmm. to make? No. No. Wow, I just like saved. I had crazy. saved money like in general just like because I was trying to be an adult and then realized that that savings was going to go towards supporting me for a year Um, and did that. And then um, I think one of your questions was like how I met Neha, my co-founder, and why I decided to bring her on. Um, And that will parlay into how we raised money. Um, So really also recognized after about four months of kind of working on things and like I got a lot done, but I also really recognized that I needed like my my other person. And I didn't know if that was going to be a co-founder. I didn't know if that was just going to be my first hire. Um, But immediately when I got introduced to Neha through a a mutual friend, I I was like, oh, this this girl is brilliant. She's smart. She's driven. She loves the idea. She loves the beauty industry. Like she believes in this. She has the passion that is needed mm-hmm. to like do this and hustle. Um, and it was like not even a thought. I was like, no, 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 co-founder. Like this is like the right person. Um, you know, when you meet the one, you just totally. know. <laughs> 
But what did you, what were you looking for? Like, what did you know were the things that you didn't want to? Yeah, super strategic, um, super like finance oriented, Mm -hmm. like just really great with like numbers and financial modeling. Um, She was a consultant before, so a problem solver. I'm a problem solver, but she also is in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so um, I wanted someone that could come in and be like, okay, you've done all of this already, but this is what we need to do next and to just like work with. And Mm -hmm. also the thing is, is Neha and I speak the same language, even though we're have totally different minds and we speak at the same speed. So like we could keep up with each other. Um, And what I recommend to anyone that's like thinking about bringing on a co-founder or even a first hire is we did a whiteboarding session together before even like shaking hands. And thought about like the like what the future of Globar could look like. I mean, literally sat at Birchbox. They let us use the conference room. Oh my God, they're so supportive. I know. Um, and for like four or five hours and just like whiteboarded. And it was like such a great thing because like we really learned like how we could work together and like could we keep up with each other? Was there a lot of like, you know, like, wait, go back. What were you saying? Like there was none of that. It was like we were just like rocking and rolling. Um, And it was like just so clear that we could like build something really – remarkable together, which I think we have. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really How cool. far in were you before you decided to bring me on? About five months. Um, okay. And it was the perfect timing because there was like a, like a lot done, but like also a ton to still do before mm-hmm. launching. And um, it was just, it like worked so beautifully and it still does. Did you do like continued meetings to make sure that that was not just like a fluke? Like yeah. I, I just – I right now I'm sole founder. Yeah, which and, is so amazing to me. Um, no, but I think about it all the time because I, I really do think that we could go further and longer and whatever if I had someone else that kind of like played to my weaknesses. But I'm always a little bit skeptical and I'm always like, okay, today it may be great, but then tomorrow you may – it may not work. Mm-hmm. What was that process like or was that just like a one and done and you were like, we have to do this? You know what? No, we, we talked a lot mm-hmm. and like – Neha and I both actually are not like that impulsive when it comes to the business. In my personal life, I'm kind of impulsive. <laughs> uh, but professionally, like we're very thoughtful. Um, and I think Globar shows that too, mm-hmm. just like the business itself. Like we thought about everything. And so we had like multiple conversations, like multiple, and talked through a lot. And I had great advisors. I think she had great advisors that were like, talk through everything you can possibly think about to make sure you're really on the same page mm-hmm. so that expectations are set. And we didn't talk about everything that we should have. Like, if we're being honest, like, there's still some things where Neha and I probably would say we wish we had talked about it a little mm-hmm. bit more to really understand what each other, like, expected. Um, but we did our best. And, like, it was just really clear that we could go forward. But to your point, there are days when it's not great. It's, yeah. like, truly a marriage. Like, my advisors always were like, if you bring on a co-founder, like, it's a marriage. And you have to make sure you really like this person and respect them and can work really well with them. And I would say, like, 99% of the time, Neha and I are great, but we've had those one percent days where we're like, she probably is so irritated by me, and like, and vice, vice versa. versa. Yeah. And like, but what's really cool is that we can talk about it. Like, I think like we have said to each other before, like, oh, you drove me nuts about that, and like we laugh it off because yeah. it's like, yeah, but um, at the same time, we are creating something so awesome together, yeah. and our brains together, and with our team, like, is amazing. Did you – and I can delete this off the podcast if you don't want to talk about it, but I'm just so curious because I really do think about having a co-founder very often. Um, is there kind of like a prenup or something that you have before you decide yeah. to do it that there's like an exit strategy if one of the two doesn't want to do it anymore? Uh, that's a really good question. I think there is. 
<laughs> um, we definitely have a prenup of sorts. Okay. Um, and like an operating agreement. So um, there's definitely clauses in there that's like if one leaves, what happens mm-hmm. to the other and those kind of things. And we like talked openly about them. Um, I think those situations and I think people that I know who have like separated from their co-founders – even though there's stuff in place, it's still the worst experience, one of the wor- totally. hardest experiences in their life. And the conversations suck and the like situation is not as black and white as a piece of paper might make it seem. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we like – I hope that's not our story. No, I don't totally. think it will be, but we do have something in place. And I recommend that for anyone. Um, we have We have a lot in place that like can at least um, ground us to something if yeah. that conversation needs to happen. I didn't want to take a negative turn. It's just, no, I think it's something it's so important, important for people to know and talk about because it is like, it really determines the way that your business goes, whether or not you're going to have this co-founder. Yes. And like you have to be prepared for And you have to have a strong foundation. Yeah. Like, and why not have those hard conversations totally. now? It's going to show you a lot how that other person is going to handle anything in the future. If you can be like, hey, guess what? What if we end up hating each other? What happens then? And if that person like doesn't want to talk about it, you can be like, ooh, like that's a yellow flag right, right there right. or maybe a red flag. So when you guys started working together, you decided to raise. Yeah. What was that process like? You didn't have a reason for the number, but I, I kind of want to get an, a kind of an understanding on why you guys went after that number and yeah. what those meetings were. You, you mentioned that you met with a lot of men. Yeah. Um. Obviously, everyone that's raising has to deal with these things, especially a woman. Like yeah. whatever the trials and tribulations were, I kind of want to – I want to hear it all. Yeah. Um. Decided to raise – I'm not like – like I, I couldn't support the business. Like Neha and I decided we were going to like raise outside capital. Um, we mainly went after angels um, and a couple funds that mm-hmm. we were really excited about. Um, look, I tried to ask someone for a playbook for fundraising, and no one could give it to me. Truly, like so. When you ask like how to do it, like you have to have advisors that have done it or people that have done it so that they can tell you how they've done it and collect all those stories and then you figure out your own path for yourself. So a lot of people were like, you know, typically people raise like a pre-seed of X hundred thousand or a million depends on what your business mm-hmm. needs. So you really need to have a financial model to start to understand what what your business needs to run for about mm-hmm. a year, maybe two years, depending on how much you want to raise in advance for. And then you have to like find a valuation for your business, which is also a really funny conversation because literally I would ask like the smartest people I know that have started their own businesses. And I'm like, so what would Glowmark be valued at? And they're like, you just pick a number. And I'm like, you do what? Oh and God. they really were like, you don't just pick a number, but like there's kind of like people pick yeah. between, you know, a couple million to 10 million, depending on like what your plan is. And you kind of just pick and you go forward and you start fundraising and investors will give you feedback on that valuation or they'll be like, okay, that that sounds fair. And you raise against that. And so the easiest way to think about it is like if you're raising $4 million mm-hmm. or excuse me, if you value your company at $4 million and you're raising $1 million, you're basically like giving away 25% of your business. Mm-hmm. That was like by the way, this is like the only thing I know. Um, and that's the way I think yeah. about it. And so you also have to think about how much you're willing to give away of your mm-hmm. business and dilute yourself. And so, you know, if that's what you're going to do, you're going to give away 25% of your business. And so you kind of just go from there and yeah. see what happens and do a lot of praying. <laughs> you find God, just kidding, um, or a universe. Um, but you, And then, Sorry. you know, you find the people that believe in your business and are willing, willing to give you some, some capital towards it. And... Um, it was hard. I mean, we got 66 no's, like wow. 66 fucking no's. And they each were as hard as the last one. They, it doesn't get, it didn't get easier for me. Really? 
Did Neha have experience raising? Mm-mm. No, we both were brand new to it. Um, and it's hard. Like I like I kind of am always like, it's going to be easy. I don't – like even like moving in New York, I'm trying to move right now. And I was like, it's going to be easy for me. I know everyone says it's hard. It's the hardest thing in the world. I've realized Where are you that moving like, to? I have no idea. Oh. Cobble Hill maybe. I don't know. Ooh, I, I need an apartment. Hill. Someone help me, please. <laughs> um, but anyways, it was really hard. The no's are discouraging because this is your baby. You're like mm-hmm. going out there presenting to people. You take every meeting just as seriously as the last. Mm-hmm. And then they say, you know, you guys are doing a great job, but no. And you're like – That's so discouraging. Ugh. That's more discouraging than them like just like telling you numbers wise. Yeah, to, I like, know. Diminish your value and be like, that's cute. Right, I know. Yeah, I know. So it's hard, but um, then you find the people that believe in you and like believe in the idea and they make it easier and they give you that like kind of motivation to keep going. Um, And so we did that. It was hard, but we ended up raising and have been good from there. So how did you find your first spot? Your only spot right now, but it's the first of many, I know. Yes. Um. Had an amazing broker, found this – we found a few spaces that we liked. Mm-hmm. Um, finding real estate in New York is like also a grind and it's a really interesting space. Um, and we found this location and we kind of just like knew it was right for us. And that's where we are in Tribeca now. And we're opened, in Tribeca? Um, down on Duane and West Broadway, so mm. right next to the Balloon Saloon. Wait, my office is on West Broadway and Canal. Oh, we're like that's neighbors. Insane. Yeah. Okay. So right there. And that's our first location. We opened in June. We've – like are so lucky. We have so many amazing clients that love to come in for their 30-minute appointment. And um, we're opening our second on the Upper East Side. Stop. Yeah. Oh, my God. When are you opening? Q2 okay. of 2020. Damn. Yeah. That's fast. Yes. We, you know, people love what we're doing, which like I'm so grateful for. That's what you want. It wasn't yeah. guaranteed, you know? Like yeah. it really um, – we work really hard. My team works so hard. I Like they motivate me every day. Mm-hmm. And, and it's working. And so we figured we might as well open another one and see how it goes from there. That's so exciting. So walk me through a glow bar session and are most people going that have like a subscription or a membership or... Yeah. So you walk into glow bar, you check in on our iPad. So we tried to make it really easy for you so Mm -hmm. that remember, our business is all based on time and efficiency. Like I don't want to take up more of your time than I need to. You're busy. You're selling time. Yes, exactly. And so you walk in, you check in on the iPad, um, you go and wash your own face for us. And the reason for that is so that we can really um, get down to business in the treatment room and not take up time, your time mm-hmm. doing what we know you know how to do already. Yeah. So you wash your face. We've got a beautiful wash bar there. And then you go and sit in the lounge and wait for your esthetician. Your esthetician comes and gets you, brings you into one of our treatment rooms, has a quick consultation with you. How are you feeling about your skin? What are your goals for today? So it's really a conversation with the professional and the expert Mm -hmm. esthetician. You lay down and you have your 30-minute treatment. You get up, you're glowing, um, (laughs) and you can check out with one of our amazing studio guides by product if you want, and then rebook or you can book online easily. Um, Is it um, your product? No, we work with three incredible brand partners. We carefully picked them and tested each of them. Um, They're professional brands only, so you can't buy them like on Amazon or like Sephora because we really care about results. Yeah. Um, We are often called the no fluff facial because we really get down to business and like we're all about the results and targeting what your goals are. So whether it's acne, hyperpigmentation, 
aging like everyone is concerned about those mm-hmm. things. We really want to like get you those results. Do you guys extract? We do. Yeah. We do extraction. Major. Yeah. Two different ways. We do um, one cavitation um, method, which is great. It basically feels like um, a car wash on your face. Mm. It's awesome. And then manual extraction. So we do extractions. We do dermaplaning. We do high frequency. We do chemical peels, hydrating masks, LED. And all that can be done in 30 minutes. A combination. So we do a combination of it depending on your skin, what's right for you on that day. So every treatment is customized. So we don't have a menu. So you just come in. You know you're going to get a 30-minute facial there's no upselling. It's $65 or $55 if you're a member. And we do what's right for you on that day. How much is it to be a member? So a membership, about a third of our clients convert to memberships. So we have a ton of amazing members. Um, and it's $55 a month. You get one treatment a month, 10% off retail product, and then a guest pass to bring a friend. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's like it, we've made it easy. Exactly. And that's how skincare should be. It shouldn't be complicated, confusing. There should be no upselling, no surprises at the end of your treatment. You should be able to come take care of your skin, which is so important, and be on with your life. Amazing. We have busy well, lives. Congrats. Honestly, that's it's so smart. I think that the only way for you to make this easier is for you to have more locations so that people can Thank go. Thank you. We're um, working on it. Yeah. So I, you're kind of new to the entrepreneur. Not new. You've been working on it for – Two years now? Yeah. Um, but newish. New, yes. And I'm I'm really curious to hear from what you've gone through so far. What have been like the hardest parts of yeah. starting Globar to date? It has been so hard. Um, and like and not not doable. So like mm-hmm. when I say hard, I don't mean like no one should do it. Like everyone should do what they want to do if mm-hmm. this is the right thing for them. It just takes resilience and it's really a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, dad, for swearing. He like yells at me. About oh my God, swearing. my dad gave me a talk in Miami right now and he's like, stop swearing on your podcast. Wait, uh, my dad literally <laughs> is like, he's like, people will perceive you as like not like smart or like they won't want to come to Globar. And I like have such an opinion about that. But anyways, I'm trying not to I swear. mean, same. I, I, I had a rebuttal, but then I'm like, he's in the back of my head and I'm like, oh, I can't know. use that for it. That's the best. <laughs> so anyways, um, it's really hard and it requires a lot of like mental resilience. Mm-hmm. And I think like you also have to be really open to being like self-aware. And I think that's something that like that, that muscle I've been flexing for the past five years or so. So I was really ready to like be able to do that. But mm-hmm. like, it just is kind of a grind and you really are doing everything. So like when I say I'm the janitor at Globar, like I really am, but I'm also like driving the strategy of the business and, you know, making sure my team is happy and productive and like it's just everything. Mm-hmm. And so it just requires like this like constant resilience. And it's hard because you're constantly asking yourself, am I doing the right thing? Is my team doing the right thing? Are my clients happy? Is my team happy? Like it just is – it wears on you and so mm-hmm. you just have to like – really have a strong internal, like, I don't even know what to call it, like muscle Mm -hmm. of like being, getting up every day and like giving it your all and like really like being um, stable internally to like keep doing it. But it's hard. And um, I have more appreciation for entrepreneurs and my mom, my grandmother than I ever have. Um, I don't have any kids. I don't have a husband. Like I, sometimes I can't imagine having those things in addition to having Globar. Um, So it's, it's definitely because it's time consuming. Time consuming and like mentally consuming. Mm-hmm. Like when I leave, I don't shut off. We're I open to seven days that. a week. Like, oh, you do? Yeah, and most days from eight a.m. till ten p.m. Wow. So I don't really calm down until ten thirty when I know like Globar has like locked up and like, the team. <laughs> yeah, and so um, 
it just, it wears on you, but it's yeah. so fun. And like, I love going in every day and like my favorite place in the world is Globar. Um, my team, my, our clients, like it's so much fun to see it working and moving and growing. What is the hope? Like what, what do you want for Globar? Like thousands of locations. Yeah. Amazing. I want like Globar to be everywhere for you. Um, I don't want it to just be in New York. I want it to be nationwide, like worldwide. Um, obviously we are focusing on the near term. Mm -hmm. So making sure that we are saturating this market, but eventually like I want it to be everywhere for, for you, for anyone on the West coast. And with time it will come, we won't get there immediately, but um, I believe in growing the business really with a strong foundation. Mm -hmm. And so I'm willing to go slow if it means that every client's experience is top-notch and incredible. Um, and that's one of our values at Globart is be client-obsessed. We think about how our client will feel about every decision we make. And so if that hinders our growth like a little bit, that's mm -hmm. okay with me totally. because I want to make sure that like of the thousands of facials we're doing a month or a year, that every single one of them is like the best that you've had. What has been the best marketing tool? Or how people are hearing about Globar? Word of mouth, honestly, has so far been our greatest, mm -hmm. like, tool. Um, and so we're so grateful for that. People and – it, and it shows that our estheticians are giving incredible treatments mm -hmm. um, because people are talking about it. But then social, um, for sure. People love our Instagram. They think it's, like, refreshing, new. Mm -hmm. It's not like what – like every lifestyle brand out there. No offense. Great yeah. businesses. But it doesn't look the same. And that was the point. Globar isn't the same. Yeah. I'm not – like traditional. I'm not conventional and I don't want Globar to be. Um, mm -hmm. And so social has worked really hard for us. We've been really lucky to have a lot of organic growth so far. So we're in our Amazing. first year. Um, next year, I'm sure that will change and we'll need to kind of like turn on some of those marketing levers so I can get back to you. But for right now, organic, like word of mouth and like social and press has worked really hard for us. Amazing. Yeah. I'm curious to know, you worked at Beauty Blender, which is like, I would say probably one of the brands that has killed it the best in the influencer marketing space. Mm -hmm. And with brick and mortar spaces, I also think that influencer marketing works really, really strongly. Yeah. How has that worked for you? And like, how did you kind of play what you knew from Beauty Blender yeah. into Globar with the influencer space? It worked amazing. I like, and I don't think this is going to be a popular thing because I like want to support influencers, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to like it's going to take a lot for me to pay influencers mm -hmm. to come to Globar one day. And if it's the right thing to do for us, I will absolutely do it. And by the way, if I could and had unlimited money, I would be paying mm -hmm. all of my friends that are influencers as yeah. much as they ask for because they're working harder than anyone I know. Mm -hmm. I always say that my friend Deepika um, is the hardest working person I've ever met. She now has an amazing brand. But like before that, she was really an influencer. Mm -hmm. And that girl hustled hard. I've never worked as hard yeah. as Deepika, truly. Um, so they work really hard and they deserve it. But I just I, – I can't um, – I can't, I can't do it yet. Um, but influencers that come, we are happy to give them a treatment, mm -hmm. let them experience it. If I could give them a membership, I would be happy to. Um, and it's worked so hard for us. Like there, do you see a result? Yes. Oh okay. my god. Um, and I love micro influencers. Mm -hmm. I love people with ten thousand followers because Same. their community listens to them. Mm -hmm. We've known that since Birchbox days. I learned that at Birchbox. We had a woman in the middle of the United States, I forget her name. She had probably, it wasn't even, we weren't even fo tracking followers then. It was more like people that read her blog at the time and how many like view or monthly um, visitors. Visitors, thank you. I'm clearly <laughs> not a marketing guru. How many visitors her website got mm -hmm. every month. And it was like probably in that 10,000 range, maybe even 5,000. She converted more people to Birchbox than 
are people that have like hundreds of thousands. And so we've always kind of known that these people that have these communities that listen and they just convert because they're your they're who influence you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love like, you know, we even have some like devotees of um, Globar that have, I think, like 3,000 followers. And by the way, the 100 people that like look at every one of their stories end up coming into Globar. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me. And then there are the others that have hundreds of thousands that also work really hard for yeah. us. But I um I love supporting the the smaller guys. Totally. I'm one of them. So I'm like, <laughs> I gotta keep up with my own. Amazing. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that because that's exactly how I think about influencer strategy as well. And I do think that like the beauty space is one that probably gets the best result in influencer, at least for trade or anything. Like I just think that that's the one that you kind of like really see yeah. a direct a direct impact. Yeah. And we ask for honest feedback. Like I am not in the business to be like, tell everyone you love it if you don't. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't love it, then guess what? You're coming back next week and I'm going to do everything I can to make you effing love global. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do that with clients too. Like if you weren't happy, which we luckily haven't had a lot of, like this is not the end of our relationship. This is actually just the beginning. Totally. And like we are going to make sure that you are happy um, without paying you or without anything, (laughs) but like with just like being authentic and giving you a really great treatment. So I want to get into beauty generally. For the people that are listening that are not in New York, there's a lot of people from Miami because that's where I'm from that listen. Oh, I love Miami. What are your like tips for beauty? What are things – right now it's so the wild, wild west like what we were saying earlier. It's very confusing. Like I go into Sephora and I'm like, what the hell? And I feel like I kind of know a little bit more just because I'm in the space. But like I kind of – I would love to hear from you what your expertise would tell people that are looking to, let's say, for example, that have acne. Yeah. I mean, so the first thing, and I've been like preaching this and I just want like everyone to listen, god damn it, um, is to like stop over – like exfoliating and stop like buying too much. Like you need to simplify your skincare routine. Everyone is buying everything, you know, back to the book club. Like people are literally like listening to their friend who has very different skin than them and they found a product that works for them, but it's not necessarily right for you. And they're trying that and then they're buying what an influencer told them and then they're buying what they got advertised on Insta mm-hmm. and like then they have Hannah Care at home and then they're doing what their mom tells them. Like it's out of control. Mm-hmm. And 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 what's happening is everyone is sensitized. They're skin is sensitized because they're breaking down the acid mantle on their skin. So you're literally overstripping your skin. Um, the New York Times came out with an amazing article. Courtney Rubin wrote it um, a few months ago. And it was all about this, that people are overstripping their skin because they're doing too much. And so my suggestion to everyone is simplify. You need to cleanse. You need to tone. You need to treat with a serum of sorts um, or a retinol. You need to moisturize. And then you need to wear SPF. And aside from that, you can do a mask a week. Um, your question about acne. Acne is really particular. So acne isn't just a general thing. Mm-hmm. There are actually grades of acne. So there's grade one, grade two, grade three, grade four, and up. Mm-hmm. Anyone with grade three or four and up should be at a dermatologist, not even at global. What is grade three? It's basically you have more than like 50 pustules, comedone, cystic acne on each side of the face. Okay. And so it's cystic and it probably hurts. And if you have grade three or grade four acne, you probably know it because you've been suffering with it for a while. And it's usually an internal thing Mm -hmm. that either you need medication or something a little bit stronger. Mm -hmm. But anyone like grade one or grade two acne, so if you have like 10 pimples on each side of your face up to that or like, you know, some comedones or like some Mm -hmm. pretty severe blackheads, um, you should be using a retinol. Um, I suggest retinol for everyone from ages like 16 and up. What's a good um, retinol that you could get at a Sephora? And also like I yeah. right now I just bought a retinol from Dr. Dennis Gross. Oh, great. 
love I mean, that brand. It, yeah, no, I love his brand too. I like his eye his eye serum yeah. a lot. But and those glow pads are incredible. I've never tried them. Oh, wait, are the those the, the ones that come in two? That's yeah. like the one and two. Yeah. Oh, I have them. I just haven't used them. They're, actually, that's the um two step acne. I think oh. it's just their normal glow pads. So they're a self tanner with a little. I think it's a little salicylic to help like exfoliate oh. and dry up anything. They're amazing. That. You see, we're doing it right now. Yeah, oh, we need so more. But retinol confuses me. Like, do yeah. you need to get a prescription for good retinol? Yeah. So if you're so. Look, there's amazing over-the-counter retinols, and then the prescription retinols are also amazing. So if you're at your dermatologist and you can use Retin-A, use Retin-A. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to tell you is that retinol can be really drying. It can create redness. Your skin can get really sensitive to it. So someone that has normal combo oily skin is probably going to be a little bit better with retinol because that skin is a little bit more mm-hmm. – um, like stronger in a sense, um, and resilient. So try it. A lot of people use retinol every other night from the dermatologist just because using it every day will just be harsh on mm-hmm. the skin. If not, I love um, Skin Medica's retinol. That's what I was using before Globar. We now work with Environ, who's like, I think, the king of king or queen, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> of retinol. You can only buy it through the professional. So for your mm-hmm. for your listeners that aren't in New York and can't come see me at Globar, I love Skin Medica. I, use, I tell people to use the 0.5%. Um, you start every like other day, once a week, if you have really sensitive skin mm-hmm. or really dry skin, and you go up to every day or every night. You just have to make sure you're wearing SPF, especially if you're in Miami. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hope your followers wear SPF. <laughs> I mean, I hope so too. And I, I did today, but I'm really bad at it. I need to get better. You have to. I know. It is so important. I know. Because here in the, I don't know, in the winter, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so white. There's no way the sun's getting to me. And I know it is, but it's just, I don't You're know. smarter than that. You're I know. way smarter than that. <laughs> Commit to 2020 wearing SPF. Okay. It's so easy. Resolution. Also, my resolution Elta? list is like 25 bullets long already, but I'll, I'll add it. I know. It's, 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 it's so crazy. What are your thoughts on Accutane? Amazing. If you need it. Of course. I am a proponent of anything that makes someone feel good. Like that is why Globar exists. Okay. Like every day we're making people feel better. When you feel good or like, yeah, when you like feel good or when you look good, you feel good. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Oh my God. Like if that's what's going to make you feel good, then mm-hmm. I want you in Globar every single – I don't care. Like if – I just want people to be happy. Yeah. And so um, people with that grade 4 acne that's really right for Accutane, um, definitely go on it. The only thing is that for almost a year, you really can't get a facial. You can't do anything else and that's okay. Um, I just um, – anyone that's on Accutane, we actually like tell them that they can't come to Globar and you have to be off of it for at least six months before we do anything. Uh, Botox. I want to get into it. I've never done it before. I'm really, I'm in the market for it. I'm very interested for my crows. Do you have any input on Botox? Love it. Do you? Okay. Love you it. Do. Again. Is it something that you guys are going to offer at Globar eventually? No, we okay. won't. Um, or I say that and maybe in a couple of years I'll look back and be like, ha I said I would and now I am. I don't think so. It's a very different business, mm-hmm. right? Um, there are amazing companies out there that do offer, you know, Botox without going to a dermatologist. Um, so Laser Away, Alchemy mm-hmm. 43, like those are great companies that do Botox. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of 
again, anything that makes you feel good. Um, I have done micro Botox, so like, you know, a few units on my like mm-hmm. upper forehead around my eyes just to like soften some of those lines and like hope and pray that it helps in the future mm-hmm. not be as deep. Um, I think it's fine. Why not? I mean, we also don't know enough. Who knows? Yeah. We all might be like dead in 10 years from it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I think if if it's going to make you feel better, go for it and uh-huh. give it a shot. I don't I don't love the feeling after. I actually like feel this kind of like heaviness as the muscle is like absorbing it. And so it kind of freaks me out and I'm always like a little anxious. Um, but my team says I'm a hypochondriac anyway. So I wait, can you get a glow bar facial if you have Botox? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. We say not to come for 72 hours. We wouldn't do microcurrent on you because we don't want it to absorb that mm-hmm. Botox and like it just kind of like we yeah. don't want to move it. Um, but everything else is fine. Amazing. Yeah. So, okay. The point of the Active Ingredient Podcast mm-hmm. is to talk to entrepreneurs that are kind of finding their path or have mm-hmm. been working in their in their passion. But I know so many people, and which is the reason why I started this, um, and I've definitely felt it myself, where you could be doing something that you kind of love, but it's not something that you really feel super fulfilled in, or you just like really don't know yourself enough to ask the right questions to figure out what those things are that really excite you. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give to someone like your best friend or someone that came to you and was like, I love seeing you do what you do, and I want to find something like that for myself, but I don't know what the first steps are or what to ask myself. What advice would you give them? It's like a great question. I think I think I would say they need to do more work then on themselves and really get to know themselves and create a further connection to that like their gut mm-hmm. and like their instincts and their and like their belly. I don't know, like my mind goes to my belly mm-hmm. when you say that cuz I'm like, "Ooh, what like what do I even think?" Uh because you'll know what it is. It's like I think it's like the same as anything in life. It's like when you walk in an apartment, you're like, oh, this is the apartment. Mm -hmm. Or you walk into a job and you're like, oh, I love this place. I can't – I really want this job. You meet someone on a date and you're like, I fucking really like this person. Mm -hmm. Like you just kind of know. And I think like, you know, for me, Globar was like, I just know that this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did so much work. So like I see a therapist every single week and like work on myself. I do the work. My friends joke with me that like I take notes before I go into therapy so I know exactly what to talk about. Then I take notes in therapy. Like I just like – I like work on myself. I listen to my brain. I like – I pay attention and I'm mindful of like what comes up for me and then I think about it. And like I think it's the same at work. Like write down like what you love about your job, what you don't, what industries you love, what industries you don't like, and maybe just keep trying more things. I always say to people, the best thing you can find out is what you don't like to figure out what you do like. Mm -hmm. So even to like my siblings, I'm like, like when they were trying to figure out their path, it's like, well, just try that job. Like I thought I wanted to be a fashion girl, Mm -hmm. you know, and I went to TJX and I was like, oh no, this isn't for me. I thought I wanted to do PR with all due respect. I realized (laughs) it's a really hard grind and it wasn't for me. Um, and so you just have to like try things, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and if you don't know, don't force it. You will know. Just keep like trying new things to get to know answer. yourself better. What is your active ingredient aside from connection with what you do at Glow Bar that gets you so excited to wake up in the morning? I love making people feel good. Like I, the other day, I was like having a bad day and my best friend also was. And I said to her, I was like, I'm going to go like buy someone something. Like I love to make people feel better. Um And so, you know, that day, like I – it was my friend's birthday and I like went and I like bought him a present and I normally wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I know this will make him feel really cared for and like special. And so I did that. But I think like Globar every day is doing that. And so like – that that's also how I know I'm doing the right thing because every day we are making like, you know, a hundred people feel better um, or at least feel like they have a partner on their skincare journey. And so um, 
you know, connecting with people and making them feel good is like, what is my purpose in I love life? That. And I always close out the podcast asking, what is your literal active ingredient? Meaning something that you just have to have every single day, whether it's Rachel got me on this like crazy water bottle. Like if it's that water bottle or if it's mm-hmm. coffee or matcha, whatever, like what's yeah. something that you need to function every day? Yeah. Um, I just learned this this year. So I love that you're asking me that because I um, got out of a relationship where I really like lost myself and I really did a lot of thinking and I haven't dated for like six months after this because I really wanted to focus on like, what do I need every day to be like happy and like make me my best self. Mm -hmm. And every single morning I have to get up and walk my dog and get my coffee. Um, And it's really funny because I was doing a lot of like reflecting on the past year and thinking about 2020 and like what a perfect day looks like for me. And it's really like every morning I need to take care of my dog Cooper, who's like the cutest thing in the world. He's the cutest thing ever seen. I can't. I know. He's Next time we do a podcast, you have to bring I should have got him. Um, So walk him and grab my coffee and like do a walk outside. And like that's like what I need. And then I can start my day. I love it. Yeah. Where can everyone follow you? Rachelista or Globar. I want to call you Rachelista. Everyone I feel like does. that's what I know you as. I literally on the streets sometimes people are like, Rachelista. And I'm like, oh my God, am I too old for that name? Now oh I was thinking God. of no, rebranding. I love it. No, no, do not rebrand. I love it. I'm, you are Rachelista. Oh, yeah, I know, but <laughs> I'm going to be like 60 and like old and people are going to no, call me Rachelista. You're Rachelista. All right. So yeah, Rachelista or I'd rather you follow even Globar um, because I just, everything's Is about. it at Globar? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. And come in and visit me. I'm usually downstairs at Globar, so you can always, anyone can ask for me. Oh my God, you guys have to go and meet her. She's like the bubbliest person I've ever met. I try. I try. All right. Thank, thank you. you for having me. Yes. This is so fun. I'm so, so proud happy. of what you're doing. Oh, thanks. I really am. Thank you guys so much for listening. It would mean the world to us if you could rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.